Good morning, Journey Church. I know that you are having a tremendous worship experience. Today, as we get ready to go into the Word, I want you to open your hearts up even further because today, it's my pleasure to be able to introduce to you Pastor Larry Stocksteel. Pastor, most of us probably know Pastor Larry so well because he's from this area. He pastored at Bethany Church for so very long, but now, uh, through the Surge Project, they are planting churches all around the world. You know, whenever Pastor Larry ministers, he always brings the Word in such a relevant way and it really encourages and lifts up all of our hearts. And so this morning, I want you to open up your heart even further. Listen to the word that he's going to bring. And let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And let's give our good friend, Pastor Larry Stockstill, a great big Journey Church welcome. Come on. All right. Good afternoon, Journey Church. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap. He's wonderful. Wow, good to see you guys today. I'm pretty amazed folks are here after lunch, man. Did you eat already? How many of you ate already? I'll be able to tell your eyelids are going down as I speak. But, hey, great to have you guys. Love you very much. Uh, love Pastor Jay and Stacy. They're just fabulous people. I know you know that, but they are very exceptional leaders. And uh, we're excited about growth. We're excited about the Watson campus and all that God is doing to save Baton Rouge. Can I have an Amen. So uh, I've, I've been listening a little bit to what you guys are studying in the month of August about uh, various relational issues that people go through. And the Lord spoke to me to, to bring you a, a kind of a final message on that, uh, that series of teachings about how to restore relationships. Because we know that, you know, what the problems are, but, but what are the solutions? And so a particular verse of Scripture from 2 Corinthians 13 and I'm going to read verse 11 through 14. These are like the last three verses of the whole book of 2 Corinthians. And if you remember from your Bible that a lot of correction took place in those two books. Paul corrected various uh, parts of the church. They had division going on. They had strife. They had various things. So he kind of lands the plane at the end of 2 Corinthians with these words, finally, brothers. So he says, finally, this is it. I'm, I'm closing out with these thoughts. Rejoice. And even as bad as relationships get, get, we can always rejoice in the Lord. Can you say amen to that? And here's the phrase that I'm sort of, uh, I'm, I'm focusing the message on. Aim for restoration. Aim for restoration. And Regardless of what your relationships are going through, we're going to aim to, to heal them today. Comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. All of these phrases are about fractured relationships becoming whole again. And then he says, and the God of love and peace will be with you. He said, well, I thought God was a God of wrath. Well, he has a a part of his nature that is wrathful against sin. We know that, but his real name is the God of love and peace. So if you're not in love of God, not walking in peace, you're really not walking in his direction. And it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, nobody did that when you walked in to journey today. But when I was in Romania one time, they do that behind the Iron Curtain. So <laughs> I was, uh, you know, they were greeting one another. Well, we kind of give the handshake and the high five. Well, well, they just give you a kiss on both cheeks. So this man turns around and, and kissed me on the cheek. And I said, back off, dude, or I'll cut you. You know, that kind of thing. But it, it continues. It says, all the saints greet you. And here's, the, here's sort of the theme of the message this morning or this afternoon. The grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how you heal your relationship. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, that's the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I like to interject that Paul had to be a southerner because he said you all. Isn't that right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this afternoon for your great love, amazing love. Jesus, your grace that brought you down from heaven to give your life in our place. Holy Spirit, your presence that you live in us, walk through us, and speak to us daily. We ask you now to restore relationships through those three principles. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I want to mention that I do a blog every week. And uh, 8,000 people download that or get it in their inbox on Monday mornings. And Tamara is particularly related to this. It's about how to overcome regret. And anytime you make a decision, you're in the potential for regret. So if you got something going on in your life like that, check that out tomorrow morning at LarryStocksell.com. I think it'll bless you. You know, years ago, Melanie gave me a watch. Not this one. This is an Apple watch uh, that I use a, a lot now when I run and all, but uh, this watch was a German watch, and I didn't know how much it cost. I, I thought, oh, it's a nice watch. But I realized later, Melanie spent $800. She saved for a long time to buy this watch because it was solar-powered. I never had to have a battery, which I constantly forgot about. And it also set itself by a tower in Boulder, Colorado. Any of you that have atomic watches or atomic clocks, this tower in Boulder sends out a signal over the whole North American continent. So any watch or clock that's atomic, it picks up the signal at midnight, beep, like that, and it resets it. So they're, they're perfect. I mean, atomic doesn't mean it's about to blow up. It means that it's very fractional in its ability to keep time. Well, anyway, I got to Japan once. I was preaching over there 19 days. And when I landed... Uh, I heard that, you know, your watch will reset anywhere you go. So I told my buddy, I said, I want you to watch this. And when I landed in Japan, they had a tower there, and my watch picked up that tower instead of America, and it started going, you know, like that 14 hours ahead. It just went around 14 times. I said, now that is cool, buddy. That is, that is cool. So 19 days, I'm over there. Well, when I flew back, and I was landing, I told my buddy, say, come over here, I want you to watch this. So I land in San Francisco, I got my watch like that, and nothing happened. Nothing. It didn't move, nothing changed. My body came back to America, but my watch stayed in Japan in its mind. So after that, I said, well, surely tonight or tomorrow the thing's going to fix itself, you know. And then I remembered, oh, well, you, you know, maybe it's low on power. So I put it in a window. It's solar powered so the sun could shine on it. The next day, nothing. So this goes on for a week, two weeks. I started getting online. I checked every site, everything could not fix the watch. So finally, I told Melanie, I, I'm going to give this one more opportunity today. I'm going to call this other website. If I can't fix it, darling, I got to drop it in the garbage. It's not any good. I hate it. She says, are you sure? I said, well, who can I give it to? And, and the, <laughs> giving them a watch, they have to add 14 to every day, every time that they see on it. So anyway, she, she just said, well, whatever you got to do. I call this guy. He says, what direction is the window you're facing it in? I said, uh, east. He said, no. He said, you're in Louisiana. Boulder, Colorado is west of you, dummy. 
He was very belligerent about that. And he said, put your watch in a western window. Oh, I thought, okay, dude, that's fine. So I did, went to preach somewhere on a Friday. I come in on Sunday night, kind of like tonight. And when I flew home, I was excited, and I thought, wonder if it works. When I walked in, I picked up the watch, and booyah, y'all know that phrase, right? How, how many of you are from South Louisiana, right? Booyah, it was perfect. And that watch has been perfect for now, coming on maybe five years. Nothing wrong with the watch. And when I was holding the watch right there, God spoke this phrase to me. He said, people are too valuable to throw away. And there was really nothing wrong with my watch. And I've learned there's nothing wrong with people either. Every person is made in the image of God. The problem with us as people is we're facing the wrong tower. We're looking in the wrong direction. And our spirit has connected to the world. And in that world is, I mean, right now in the United States, you talk about division, strife, chaos on airplanes. People are literally coming to blows over the overhead bin. And I'm on 100 flights a year. I was on four this last two days. It's crazy what's going on around the world. And it's just this tremendous fractionalizing of, of relationships and that's because that's what happens when you're facing the wrong tower. It resets you in a wrong way. But he said, if people will just turn, and I'm going to turn toward the new tower, and that's the cross. He said, if they'll turn toward the cross, it will reset them, and you'll see the hands of their life. The moment a person gets saved, there's an instant transformation. They are synchronized with what we just read about, the God of love and peace. Agree with one another. Comfort one another. Uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. All of those things aim for restoration. He said, if they'll just do what I said in that one verse, I'll heal their marriage. If you've got marriage problems today, we're going we're gonna to tell you the three keys of how to restore a relationship. Maybe with your parents or your kids. Maybe with your in-laws, your outlaws. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your life. But let's look at it. Because notice, if you will, that he gave those secrets. And I'm using the message translation now. He called it, and I'm changing the order a little bit, starting with the Father. The extravagant love of God. The message translation. The extravagant love of God. Do you realize how much God loves you? See, it's not the, the little bit of God's love for you. It's extravagant. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that's you. If you were the only person in the world, God loves you. And his love is different from human love. Human love is what we call convenient friendship love. And that's good. You know, people follow you and then... If they don't like you anymore, they unfollow you. That, that, that's the world. If you're facing that tower, they use disposable relationships. Hey, if I don't like you anymore, boop, get out of my life. Get out of my face. I don't want to see you anymore. And that, they do that with their lives, their marriages, their families. Everything's disposable now. I don't need you. And, and that, that tower is setting the, the inward heart of people. 
But God is, God is covenant fellowship, covenant partnership. If you notice God's relationships, like with Abraham, he made a covenant with Abraham. And then thousands of years later in the book of Romans, he's still talking about Abraham, my friend. Don't talk about my friend Abraham, Abraham, Moses. But when God builds a relationship with you, when God really connects with you, baby, he's, his eye is on you like he watches the sparrow. He counts the number of your hairs on your head and even the ones that jumped off years ago, as somebody said. You know, my wife and I have six children. Everybody say, help him, Lord. And I have my 15th grandchild coming in uh, February. So I'm not just pro-life, I'm prolific as well. And I love them all. If I had a picture of them, I'd put it up right now. But this afternoon, they'll all be at, at, there at my house. There's 27 of us that sit down to lunch. And, and, and I mean little kids run through their legs everywhere. But, but you, what, what, what you see is is the love of a father or a grandfather for a child. I like to go in there when they're sleeping in my study or whatever, just put my hand on their chest and watch those little baby chests go up and down. That's how much God loves you. The word for love in the original is hesed, H-E-S-E-D. And it means covenant, loving kindness. It even says in Psalms that his hesed fills the whole universe. It's everywhere in the universe. And you wonder why it's not on earth because it requires a spigot to get into this earth. That's me and that's you. We're the, we're the spigot. But, but God's love for you is amazing. He has a purpose for your life. He knew you in your mother's womb. And so if you turn the wrong direction, you're missing everything about life. It's God's love for you. And then Jesus' grace is called the amazing grace of Jesus. He took God's love, God's heart for you and said, yes, Father, I'm going to go redeem humanity. He left heaven and came to a dirty little town of Nazareth and raised 30 years there as a carpenter's helper. His dad was a carpenter and then he surrendered to the call of God and went all over the Holy Land healing people, casting out devils, raising the dead, healing the sick. And then he locked in on Jerusalem where he could go and give his life for us. And on the cross there with those nails in his hands and feet, Jesus forgave the world. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's grace. So we see love made the plan. Jesus paid for the plan. But then he moves to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So May the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship, the friendship or the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Well, now we see a third part of relationships. So it tells me that I start with covenant, I move to forgiveness, and I end up with friendship. You say, well, I haven't talked to my, you know, my parents in 10 years. Okay, I get that. Well, they haven't called me, so I'm not going to call them. Uh, okay. But if you'll back up to the first thing and say, Lord, let your love flow through me for that person. And then, Lord, let your grace, your forgiveness flow through me to that person. And then, Lord, open up some ways that I can even get close to that person again and hunt with them again and 
go out to lunch with them again, have Christmas with them again. Or See, but it's stages. Now, I want to put up a bullseye. And this bullseye is an Olympic bullseye. And it represents gold, red, blue, black, white. Represents the five circles of your relationships. All of you have got it. You don't know about it. Maybe you've never seen this before. But I was in Mexico when I got this message, and there were 50 bullseyes set up on a field. The, the Olympic archery team was trying out for the Olympics. With the, the, that's the Olympic uh, archery uh, thing right there. Anybody archer in here? Anybody shoot archers? Okay, there you go. Great. Every now and then the Lord calls a deer home with it or something like that, right? Okay. Anyway, so the first circle in the middle of your relationship is God. Let, let, let's just start there. So go on back. Yeah, there you go. You can keep clickbait off if you want to. We, we, we're all right. Good. So God, God is the, he's the beginning of all relationship. By the way, can I tell you something? Every other relationship in your life depletes you. When you're around that person, they're, they're sucking a little bit of life. Now, some people, when they walk in the room, they suck the life out of everybody in the room, you know. But God is the only relationship that renews you. It says he renews you morning by morning. Now, let's, how do we have a relationship with God? If our relationship is broken with God, you do the same three principles. Love, grace, and fellowship. Now, it's interesting because I use this verse as my prayer outline every morning now. For the last few years. This morning, I got up, went into, after I had coffee with Melanie, I went into my study, and I got on my knees. It was kind of dark in there still, and I just spent a little while talking to the Father about His love. He saved me, healed me, delivered me, set me free. All of the things God does, He gives me a home, a car, clothes, food. I mean, I got so much food, I could live off the land for about a month. I don't know about you, but His, his love, His love for me. And then I, I moved to Jesus. He set me free. He, he got me out of sin. He called me to preach when I was 16. You know, in May, I've been preaching six, 50 years. I, I turned 66 in May. 50 years I've been preaching the gospel. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then I moved to the Holy Spirit and asked him to light the fire in my heart and rush upon me like the wind of God. And so that's my prayer outline. I use the Lord's Prayer sometime. I pray the prayer of Jabez sometime as a template. I even use the tabernacle prayer Dr. Cho taught me. But whatever you do, don't start your day by looking at CNN, constantly negative news, right? Don't do that. Don't, 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 or anything. Don't check your email first or your cell phone or all of that. When you start your day, do like Jesus did. He, he went into the presence of God and you renew your fellowship, your life, and let him minister to you. Then the second thing that I try to do every day is I like to spend time with my spouse. And, you know, if you really want to learn character, get married. Marriage is the school of character. I, they didn't tell you that when you got married, did you? They, they said, oh, you know what, hey, you're going to be able to live with somebody for the rest of your life. Ooh, and, and, and they didn't tell you that God is going to use that person in your life 
to change your character. And when people start hitting these character issues that are obvious only to your spouse, no one else knows. We hide our character issues pretty well. But your spouse, you can't hide from them. They give you constant feedback about your character. Isn't that right? I mean, only your wife, sir, would tell you that your breath could kickstart a 747 aircraft. Only your wife could tell you something. that. But, you know, Melanie would tell me things, and, I, and of course, I, I'd get defensive. But, but what I learned about how to, how to have a good marriage, and I've been married... 43 years. Did, did y'all hear about the guy that was married 50 years and they brought him to the Rotary Club and they said, tell us how to be married for 50 years. Oh, the guy said, that's easy. He said, I got married and I brought my wife on a honeymoon to Italy. He said, and then after 50 years, I went back and picked her up again. <laughs> Some of you are not even awake, I don't think. It's, but, but, you know, it's not easy to stay married. Somebody asked Billy Graham's wife, they said, have you and Billy Graham, you know, ever thought about divorce? Oh, she said, divorce, never. Murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> so you're going to learn some things about character. And men and women are definitely different. You know, I heard a, a funny story about a lady that went on her vacation to Europe with uh, some of her lady buddies. And they're over there enjoying themselves. She kept calling home, you know, checking in with her husband. And from Paris, she called and said, how's everything going? He said, everything's going pretty good. He said, I do have some news for you. She said, what's that? He said, your cat died. She dropped the phone. She screamed. She picked the phone up mad. She said, why have you ruined my whole vacation? He said, what do you mean? I just told you what happened. She said, well, you, you could have told me that the cat got on the roof. And when I got to London and called, you could have said he got over in a tree. When I got to New York, you could have said he fell out of the tree, but I brought him to the vet. And when I got home to Denver, you could have picked me up, put your arms around me and said, sweetheart, the cat has expired. He said, oh, I didn't know the protocol. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she awkwardly didn't say anything for about 15 seconds. And finally she said, by the way, how's mama? He said, she's up on the roof. <laughs> it ain't easy to stay together. So what are we going to do about it? Okay, here we go. First, we're going to love in a covenant love. When you get married, the, the minister said, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife or husband to have and hold for better, for worse, sickness and in health? All of those things is yes, 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 yes. It's all covenant. Till death do you part. To yes, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, you entered into a covenant. That's a covenant. But we're thinking contract. We're thinking convenient friendship. If I like you after three years, I'll keep you. I ain't trading Melanie in on a, a new model. I got the one I wanted, 43 years, and I'm sticking with Mama. Come on. In fact, I told Melanie, if you leave me, girl, I'm going with you. <laughs> we, 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 we joined at the hip. In fact, the word for cleave in the Bible, it says the two shall cleave unto, the, and they shall be one flesh. It's glue. It's, it's super glue. You, you can't pull it apart. It, and so... 
Think about love as a covenant in marriage. Doesn't matter if they burn the biscuits. That has nothing to do with it. And then you say, okay, Lord, to, for my marriage to work, I need grace. Because we all make mistakes. We all disappoint. We all don't live up to our expectations. And then the devil tells you, you married the wrong person. No, you didn't. You married exactly who you needed for your own character's sake, and they're growing that character tremendously. But you see, it's going to take grace. You need grace. I need grace. And then finally, when you have love and you have grace, you start developing intimate friendship. Many couples are not best friends. And, and I learned that. It's easy to get distracted with a bunch of stuff. But Melanie is my best friend. I enjoy being with her. So when you, and that's because we eat, drink coffee together every morning. We walk together every day. We uh, have a date night. All of these things, they all add up. Now, you say, well, I don't do any of that stuff. Okay, you can start today. See, because we want to have great relationships. It's, it's a covenant, and then it's a, it's a forgiveness. And then thirdly, it's fellowship. Now, kids are your third ring. I'm, I'm just, I'm pointing these out. Like one guy say, I'll jump them, you run them. Okay, here's, here's the third one is your kids. And the Bible says that God will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and children to their fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. What we're looking at now when kids are murdering their parents we have a total destruction of the family relationship. Well, I praise God. Our kids are not perfect. We've had problems with them like everybody else. But they all are serving Jesus, married to wonderful girls, all in the ministry or our ministry-related occupation. And let's give God glory for that. that, that that's, that's a miracle right there. Amen. Now, that, that happened because, number one, we showed them love. By the way, love is not money. Love is time. Little boy couldn't get his dad's attention to go throw a baseball with him. And one day he slid a dime under the newspaper his dad was always reading and said, Dad, is that enough to buy an hour of your time? Let me, let me tell you something. Big days are important for kids. And when you love them with your time in a covenant way, they receive that. If they feel like they're like an unwanted appendage, they, don't, they feel like they're disposable. A child can never feel disposable. Because the second one is forgiveness. If I have a child, he's going to mess up or she's going to mess up like the prodigal son. They're all going to be prodigal at some moment in life. But that father did not greet his son with a baseball bat and say, you lost half of my money. He brought him home. He hugged him. He celebrated him. He gave a, a big dinner for him. And he said, this my son was lost and has come home. See, there's going to be a grace component if you ever want to have your kids. And, and by the way, the saddest thing in the world is when your kids leave and never want to see you again when they leave. Success in parenting is your children wanting to be with you the rest of their life. That's success. Not necessarily they became a ballerina that you envisioned. It's did you express to them love and grace and 
spend the time necessary for intimate friendship. And I can't really go into that, but let me go into the fourth thing because I think it's important for the church. And that is, for Christians now, a small group. Now, Pastor's been talking about that the last month, the life groups here at Journey Church. And we wonder, why do I need a small group, man? I, you know, I come to church. For crying out loud, I'm there every week. I bring my family. I mean, why do, why do I need to go be with some people in a house somewhere or wherever the thing meets? But here's, here's the point I learned from Andy Stanley. Christians need two things. They need rows and they need circles. The row is what you're in now. You're listening to me. You're all facing this direction. You see the back of somebody's head. That's good. That's, that's where you're taught. But that's not where some, somebody hears your heart. So Christians need a row to hear the word and a circle to hear their heart. Because you can have all kind of stuff going on. Inward things, temptations, traumas, trials, transitions, all going on inside, and there we are. We sing, we high-five somebody, we go, go back and get in our car, and no one notices when you're gone. You slip away from the Lord. Or, and see, we're changing all that. 25 years ago, the Lord showed me about small groups. Well, now Chris Hodges there has 50,000 people coming in Birmingham. He has over 5,000 small groups. There's more people in small groups than on Sunday in his church. Because loneliness, Billy Graham said, loneliness is the number one problem in the world. Not a lot of other things you would think. Loneliness. And when people move together in an intimate way, like you got eight or ten other people that know you, you're with them every week, you eat together there, you, you talk about something, you pray over each other, something changes in your spiritual life. And, and it's not easy any more than anything else. But, you know, I learned this about Belgian horses. A Belgian horse can pull 8,000 pounds. That's four automobiles. You could hook four one-ton automobiles up to a horse, and he could pull all four of them because they're just strong. They're amazing. But if you put two of them together, you would automatically think they could pull how much? 16,000 pounds, right? Actually, it's 24,000. If they've never even seen each other, they can walk up there together and pull 24,000. If they've known each other for a season of time, that goes up to 32,000 pounds. Now we're at double of capacity. The world record of Belgian horses, two horses that knew each other from birth, 52,000 pounds those two horses pulled. It shows that when the relational component goes up, our strength and synergy goes through the roof. I've watched it with people. I've pasteurized on people for almost 30 years. I pastor Bethany. Those that avail themselves of relationship, they stayed strong, they stayed happy, they stayed focused, they stayed spiritual. But those that didn't, they just, they just got weak and they fell away. You know, geese, I'm going to give you another biological illustration. Geese fly in a V. Isn't that right? I mean, I've watched them. I've, in fact, the Lord's called a few of them home through me before in the past. But they fly faster and further by 70% when they're in that V. In fact, C-130s fly to Hawaii in a V. 
Just same exact thing because the gas mileage is so much better in a V formation. And, and, of course, you've always noticed that one leg of the V is longer than the other side. Have you ever noticed that? And you say, why is that? That's because there's more geese on that side than on the other side. <laughs> but what I notice is that, that they honk all the time. And the, the ornithologists study these things. And they discovered that when a goose starts kind of, he can't keep up the rhythm, can't keep up the cadence. He just starts kind of, you know, he, he folding his wings a little bit. The goose behind him honks, and it gives a, it, it, it gives a little jolt to that one to get, hey, let's go. Come on, let's go. We all need a honk every now and then, right? That's why the bumper sticker says, honk if you love Jesus, I guess. I don't know. But turn around to somebody sitting next to you. Just give them a honk. Come on, they honk. Honk. That's right. See, and, and, and Christians, we, we need this. We, we need a row to hear the teaching of the word, but we need a circle to hear the problems of our heart. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. Extended family. You got God, spouse, children, small group. Boy, this last one now, you could preach a whole hour on the extended family, baby, because that's where all the problems go down. Aunt Brunhilde Hucklemeister, here she comes again, you know. And, and you've always got somebody in the family that is a drama king or queen. Isn't that right? I mean, all, everywhere they go, you know, if Bob has a problem with everybody in the family, Bob's got a problem. Isn't that right? And so... How better of a place to learn the three principles of, of unity? First is covenant. I may not like you or the way you act or the way you drive or the way you drink or the way you, all those things. I, I may not, but you're in my family and I love you. You know, you, you should never stop loving a neighbor, a coworker, a family member regardless of what they do, because that's how God loves you and I. Isn't that right? Just keep loving them. You didn't say amen, but it's still true, I believe. And then once you decide that, then you got grace. And that means I'm going to forgive you when you disappoint me, when you, when you do things that, that you, 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 know, you, really, you really messed up. And I can't remember what service I told it in. I don't think I told you guys about this. But a lady came to us recently heartbroken. And we thought, man, she's going through some terrible trauma. And we said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? She said, my family had a Halloween party four years ago, and they did not invite me. And she just boo-hooed and boo-hooed about it. And, you know, I was thinking, Really? Is that it? A Halloween party? And, and you didn't get an invitation. But it doesn't matter how little it is. Every little thorn can hurt after a week. Isn't that right? It, it doesn't take much. So what are you going to do? You're going to do like families are doing right now. They don't speak for 10 years. I, I, I have watched this personally. In our family, I have seen issues where people are, they just start separating. And they don't want to be around each other. So grace, golly, grace, please. 
We've got to forgive and ask Jesus to give us his grace. But the last one, once you decide, I love them. I don't care what they do, what they don't do. And then I forgive them. But then you say, I'm going to spend intimate fellowship with them. Friendship. And that takes time, everybody. I mean, hey, let's go play golf. Hey, let's go fishing. Hey, hey, meet me at... Uh, Krispy Kreme when the red light's on, whatever. I mean, let's, let's do something fun together. Let's meet. And, and now we're talking about how we can win Baton Rouge to Christ. If your neighbor's Muslim like mine was, I told you about it last year. What I didn't tell you is that he was killed about three months after I was here. In a convenience store as a clerk, a 17-year-old boy came in and shot that man, killed him. He left two families behind. Well, see, I didn't know that when I was trying to reach him for the Lord. Don't, 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 don't go by people's actions if they're not saved. They're facing the wrong tower. So this morning, maybe we got to back up to the first circle. Because when you get that one right, all those other four, they just line up. It's like you face the tower, and, and, and when you turn to the cross, everything just changes in relationships. If you heal your vertical relationship with God, your horizontal relationships will all work out automatically. Those hands start turning. So let's back up to circle one. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe in the service here this afternoon, there's a man, there's a woman, a young person. And you say, Pastor, I never made it past that first circle. I'm not right with God. I got sin in my heart. I got junk going on between me and God. I don't even know if he loves me. He does. Will he forgive me? Yes. He already did on the cross. You haven't received that forgiveness. You have to, to be saved. And then he'll become your friend. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you and guide you and lead you and change you. If you're here and you would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm stuck at circle one. I need forgiveness. And I want it. I want it. We've had, I bet we've had 40 or 50 people get saved in the first two services. But if that's you and you're listening to me and you would say, would you include me in that prayer, Pastor? I want to know Christ. I want to turn to the right tower. What I'd like to do with every head bowed, nobody's looking, and that's you. You would say, include me in that prayer. Here's what I want you to do. Without hesitation. Slip up your hand toward God in heaven right now and say, that's me. There, 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 back there. God bless you. All across this room, maybe 8 or 10 or 12 people that have raised up their hand in this final service. You can put it down. Now, here's what I'd like us to do. Everybody put your hand over your heart, your right hand. Just put it over your heart. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to pray this prayer, and he's going to come into your life. If you do know Jesus and your relationships are whacked out, they're fractured, they're, they're just broken, you're going to pray the prayer too. That, that would mean probably just about everybody in here is going to pray this out loud. And you're going to ask the Lord. You're going to turn to the cross, and you're going to be reset in your heart. Now, let's pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. Pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. You never stop loving me. 
Thank you that you sent Jesus. And in his grace, he died for me. Lord, I receive your forgiveness. And thank you, Father. You sent the Holy Spirit to come into my life. Holy Spirit, come. Give me a new heart, a soft heart where it's hard. Change me, Lord. Transform me, Lord. Give me love, grace, and fellowship. Now, would you mind just standing? I'm going to ask the band to come do this song, Oh, Come to the Altar. This is a fabulous song. And this song says his arms are open wide. As they begin to sing that, I want you to lift up your hands to God. His arms are open wide. I want you to open your arms like a funnel. And I want you to receive the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as they come right now. Let's begin to worship the Lord with that song.